Hey, I, I just want to read a scripture just to start. So it's Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. It's Jesus speaking. Matthew 5, chapter 13. And it is Jesus speaking. He says this, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people give a light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I want to speak this morning about salt and light. Salt and light. Through the week, uh, I was uh, obviously live salted, uh, came to mind, and, and as I was thinking about what should I speak about this week, the phrase salt and light came uh, into my mind, and obviously the scripture came into my mind, and and it occurs to me that when Jesus says it, he's at the start of his ministry. He just, uh, if you uh, read the Bible and, and, and Matthew, he uh, goes up to the mount uh, and it says that uh, followers were following Jesus and Jesus started to teach a whole bunch of things. He started to speak to individuals. He started to speak to uh, individuals. But really, he was also speaking a message that was uh, to be spoken to Israel as a whole. And he was calling them back to some conditions that he wanted in their life. And he used these couple of illustrations. He started out by teaching the Beatitudes and, and setting the scene of some attitudes in their hearts and some things that were going on. You see, you see, Israel had started off with Adam and Eve. And it started off with them walking with God in the Garden of Eden. And it says that, that God would come to Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, you know, when everything quietens down. And you can hear a pin drop. You know, the, sun, the heat has gone out of the sun. It's just that beautiful time where it's neither hot, it's neither cold. It's just beautiful. The sun's kind of starting to go down. And I used to often get home from work. And about that time, I would sit outside and just have a drink. And I'd just watch the sunset and just think and just ponder. And it says in the Bible, and, I, and uh, it's just a fantastic part in Genesis where it, where it says that God would come and walk with Adam, and I'm assuming Eve as well, in that time of day. And he'd just journey with them, and he'd just talk to them, and, and they probably discuss many things. And that's how we are meant to live today. But obviously we know that things got messed up along the way and, and uh, Israel got further and further and further behind in, in that sort of that relationship and, and the way they were to live, to walk with God and talk with God and listen to God. And, and they became more legalistic and more rules-driven and, and to the point where you know, a lot of performance, what I call performance uh, religion or performance, what I would call today, performance Christianity, where we, we, we worry more about how we behave. We worry more about, how, about all the outward things than the actual condition of our heart and our actual softness of our heart to God. 
So here was Jesus calling a nation that had become very rules and regulation driven and uh, you know, people were making lots of money out of selling things for them to sacrifice to, to make up for all the sins they had committed. And, and they were very distracted about a whole bunch of things outside of the relationship, the actual talking to God, the actual listening to God, the actual sincerity that we want between God. And so here comes Jesus and he starts calling them back. He says, you know, you're meant to be salt. You're meant to be a nation that was, that was to bring flavor into the world. You know, Israel was meant to, meant to be more than just every another nation. It was meant to be an example to other nations of a God that could journey with a nation, protect the nation, look after the nation, love the nation as a child. And yet they had got distracted. They were more consumed and, and worried about the occupation of Romans and, and rebellions and that they would have a, uh, there would be someone who would rescue them by force, lead them in a great battle as had been done in past. And, and so Jesus started in the, in the Beatitudes talking about peacemaker, mercy, you know, all these things. And then he started talking about salt and light. And it's, it's very interesting, you know. Salt is fantastic, isn't it? Has anyone had fish and chips without salt? Fish and chips without salt. Ugh, I shudder to think. You know, McDonald's chips without salt. Now, I know today some of us don't, don't eat a lot of salt, so you're probably going, yeah, I can't think of anything worse. But we need salt. You know, I was reading about salt. Salt is used for so many different things in the world, right through to flavoring our food, right through to making all kinds of chemicals uh, that are actually harmful for us. Chloride uh, that we put in our pools, uh, chlorine, sorry, is made from salt. Um, you know, a whole bunch of, of bad stuff can be made out of salt and it's, when, it's, when it's boiled down and changed in that. And, but salt is an amazing chemical or uh, material all by itself that can flavor food it just you add enough salt to a curry and it will bring out the flavors I cook many curries and I find without salt it's just bland but you keep adding salt and you keep adding it I don't know why but it's probably got something to do with the potatoes but when I add salt to curry it seems to take a lot to bring the flavors out but once it's there you don't want to put more in so it occurs to me that salt is, you know, when it loses its flavor, is good for nothing but being thrown out and trampled under salt. But you can have so much salt that it can also taint the flavor. So it's an interesting thought, and I'm still thinking that the whole part through. Light. Israel were told, you know, you don't get a lamp and put it under a basket. That's not the point of a light. A light is meant to bring... Show people how to wander around in a dark room. Wander pe help people outside in the, in the night traveling so they don't fall prey to uh, mishaps and, and accidents and robbers and everything that, that was around then. And Israel was to be a light to the nations. It was to be a light that would remind nations that there was a God, a God who created the world, a God who wanted to have relationship with people. And as I was thinking about this, through the week, I was thinking, Jim, you know, had light. He, 
He altered the flavor of many people's lives. And many people's lives are richer and more flavorsome because of Jim's impact on their lives. Their worlds are more bright because they had a light who was an ambassador of heaven in their world. And one of the things I love is when we have people like this who bring salt and light into our world, we're richer for it. And we can be a bigger flavor to other people and a bigger light to other people. And that's uh, really my hope is that we all take that on, that we become more than we are each day, that we add and we become something much, much richer than we were. There's three just three key thoughts, and I just want to keep this short because I knew there would be quite a bit in the service. Three key ways of keeping our salt and our light and our lives going strongly. And the first one is reading our Bibles or listening to our Bibles on our cell phones or in a CD in a car or on, on a DVD or whatever. But getting the Word of God into our life. The Word of, I don't know what it is, but when I spend time reading the Word of God, it changes everything in my life. It changes my mind. It changes my heart. It breaks things down. Attitudes that I have that are bad or poor um, have to give way to the Word of God because, you know, it's not God's principles to harbor anger towards people. It's not God's principles to harbor, harbor hatred towards people. It's, it's not God's desires that we walk in a way contrary to His. And so reading the Bible, I find, is a fantastic way of keeping consistent with God's ways. Rocket science, isn't it? So difficult. We just need to try and make time. We don't need to read 15 chapters a day. I don't do that. We just need to read enough. I think you start reading the Bible, you'll start realizing when you've read enough each day. And you start feeling, I've got enough. You know, I've start, I can work on that. I can think about that all day. The second thing is truth and grace combined. Truth and grace combined. One of the things that I, uh, that I love uh, about Jesus and, and Jesus walking the earth and, and living, and that was his ability to, to link truth and grace together. You know, too much truth actually creates legalism. We can be so worried about God's rules and God's regulations and that, that we forget that Jesus brought grace into that scenario. And he did it in this beautiful picture of this, of uh, the scenario where a woman caught in adultery was brought before him and uh, the Pharisees and, and the accusers and that said, this woman was caught committing adultery in the very act. The law says she should be stoned to death, but what do you say? And we know that uh, it had nothing to do with this poor woman. She was just a pawn for accusing Jesus. But Jesus came back so beautifully and he said, you know, whichever one of you is perfect, has never cast, committed a sin, you can throw the first stone. And then it says he, he stooped down on the ground and he, and he wrote in the sand. And that is the $50 million question. What did he write in the sand? Does anyone know? No, you shouldn't because none of us do. 
Some suspect that maybe he wrote the Ten Commandments. He wrote the law out. Others think that perhaps he was writing the sins of the people who were accusing the woman because it says that they were pricked in their their conscience, youngest to oldest, and they left. Was it that? It's a cool story. I don't know. Or was he writing their names? I don't know. But what I know is that as a result of whatever he had written and whatever he had said, and we know what he said, they were pricked in their conscience and they chose to leave. And Jesus was left with this woman. And he says that when he finished, he looked up and said, where are your accusers? And she said, they're not here anymore. And he said, and I don't condemn you either. Go, but sin no more. Give up your life of sin. You see, Jesus brought grace and law and in the most incredible, beautiful way possible. And that's, that's an example to me when I deal with things and uh, when I talk to people, when I have friends that I'm concerned about, I see some stuff in their life that needs to change for them to be uh, living better for God. How do I do it in a way that, is, that is, uh, brings correction but is loving, that is gracious, that is not full of self-arrogance or pride or self-interest? That is the challenge we have, isn't it? And I always come back to this picture whenever I'm thinking about a discussion that I think could be tough. I always think about Jesus and this situation, the way he masterfully wove law and grace together to create a beautiful outcome. Point three, regularly spend time with God. Regularly spend time with God. And my suggestion would be, you know, a lot of us say we're really busy, you know, or we find it really hard to have time. And sometimes we can think we've got to get up and spend an hour just with God in the bedroom. And that's fantastic if we can. But my encouragement to you is learn to journey with God 24 hours, seven days a week. Take him with you in the car. Take him with you to work. Don't leave him behind at home. Realize that he's with you all the time. Every situation you're going through, he's always with you. One of the pictures I love to sometimes paint is, you know, I'll go fishing sometimes with someone or I'll go for a hunt sometimes with someone and we'll head off out. and Or you'll go on a journey, say, to Auckland and, and you'll be, when you first, you know, pick someone up or set out, you'll be all chatty, chatty, chatty and whatnot. But there's parts of the journey where you kind of, you stop talking, you know, for a minute or two and there's just silence in the car where you just look out the window and you just enjoy the view. You know, there's times where you'll just sit there and you'll just be thinking about about things you've done or things that are happening or things you've got to do. Does that mean you're not journeying with the person next to you? No, it doesn't. You're still in the car with that person, journeying wherever you're going with them. And that that picture's been tremendously helpful to me in learning to journey with God. I realize that there are times where we don't talk. There are times where we do talk. 
There are times where we just stand on the beach and I'll be fishing and I just look out and see the sunset and I just say, God, look at the sunset you've made. Look at the sky you've put, put above me. You know, look at all the fish you've made that hopefully I'll get to catch with your blessing. And I've realized that, you know, as we journey, when we can think about God in terms of that, when we learn to journey with Him 24-7 rather than intense sort of one-hour periods or five-minute periods, and, and that is good as well, as well. But we just learn to journey with God through every situation, every day, every minute. Our, our lives are richer for it, and we become better for it. We become more salty and more light to this world, and we become more alive. How many here have come into the presence of people who you just look at them and they just shine. Yeah? Yeah. They've been in the presence of someone. Yeah? They've journeyed with someone. They've spoken to someone. They, they have caught that off someone like Moses caught it off God when God passed by, even though he covered Moses in the cleft of the rock. Moses still shone. People who saw Moses knew that Moses had been with someone special, that someone being God. And uh, we can tell when we're around someone. We may not see it in their face, but we can just sense it. There's something about that person. I can think back to teachers that I had at school that never told me they, they were Christians, but I now can look back and I know they were because there was something about them that I didn't understand at that point, but I know now and I knew then. I just didn't know what it was. 